630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Dale in Fort McMurray texting in. He says, I think Duncan Keith will come rejuvenated and excited about playing with some of the best players in the world. He'll be trying to smell another cup in the next two years. There's a good chance he'll show some of those other defensemen the way to be responsible, keep the puck out of... Dale, this is an all-time typo because I think you meant to type out of the net and it came up urine. So your actual text says, keep the puck out of the urine. Now, you also do not want the puck going in any urine as well as going in your net and uh, get it to go up the other way and have a balanced and good effect on goaltending, offense, and defense uh, because the puck won't be in their zone as much. Well, that is, a, Dale, that's an amazing, that's an amazing autocorrect uh, on your phone. 780-496-0063. Before I get to Stoffer here, Ken Holland today was on with Bob and uh, had this to say about Adam Larson. You know, right now, not much is going on with Adam Larson. I think he's, you know, he's taken all the time um, to really decide, you know, what he wants to do with his career. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm told by his agent, J.P. Barry, and, and I know that Adam spent some time with Leon Dreisaitl in Spain uh, after the season. That you know, he likes Edmonton. He likes his role. He likes his coaching staff. He likes he likes being a, a leader. I think he just he wants to be sure that um, you know he wants to be sure that whatever decision he makes is the right decision. So for right now, uh, not much is going on on the Adam Larson front. I talk to his agent almost every day now here over the last uh, or every second day over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I don't. I, I just see us submitting a list of uh, okay. seven, three, and one on Saturday, and then uh, Seattle can pick, um, pick, pick, pick a player. All right. So it is possible that Adam Larson has agreed to a contract that will not be announced until after the expansion draft. That is possible. We will obviously find out in the days to come. As I welcome my colleague and good friend, Oilers now host Bob Stoffer to Inside Sports. Uh, Dale from Fort McMurray has texted back, apologizing, saying that he was doing talk to text. That's an all-time classic, though, and you do want to keep the puck out of the urine. Bob, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> Uh, not bad. Um, I haven't figured out how to do talk to text yet. So, uh, you know, I just make the normal uh, spelling mistakes off. My my daughter laughs. As you know, Reed, I have fairly large hands and large fingers. Um, and uh, there's been times in the past with things like the BlackBerry where I've had some pretty glaring ones over the years. So do they still make BlackBerry? I don't know. Um, anyhow, uh, I... It's it's going to be an interesting time. I got to tell you, Reed. Uh, I know that Mark Spector came on at one o'clock after uh, Ken Holland was on the air and said, "Well, this is what I think is happening with uh, Adam Larson." Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sorry, and and what he basically suggested is the same thing you said that hey, it's possible that they've already got an agreed to deal in place. I personally do not believe that's the case. Okay. So I also believe the Oilers are absolutely positioned and have set aside the money in the term length to to bring Adam Larson back. But I don't think that uh, Adam's there yet in terms of making his decision. This, you know, he signed a six-year extension with New Jersey, got traded uh, fairly what two two years in that deal. 
uh, tell you what, he's been in Edmonton what now the last four years, 16, 17, 17 18, 18, 19, 19, 19, five years. So he got traded after the first year of that deal at Edmonton. And, um, you know, maybe he's going to sit there and, and go in a free agency. There's, but to me, I don't think there's a, it's a hundred percent guarantee that he ends up with the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, I wonder if there is a commitment there, what the oil, like, let's say they get equipment tomorrow. All right. So let's put pen to paper here. What happens then? But, I would not think to this time in this juncture right now that it's a hundred percent fait accompli that Adam's going to end up uh, back with the orders next year. Until it's until he signed it, uh, I'm of the belief that uh, anything's possible. Okay, so if anything is possible, and I should, if anybody's just tuning in, Bob and I are, are totally going down the what if speculation path here. Um, do you think he's thinking about going home? Could that possibly be on the table? For Adam Morris. To, Swe- to Sweden? Yeah. No. Okay. No, I just I, I wanted to ask, just in case. No, I, 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 I think there's a good possibility he, like, I put it this way. In early, when do the orders get eliminated? Middle of May? May 24th. May? Okay. In early June, I would have said 90% sure Larson's here and 50-50 on Nugent Hopkins. And Nugent Hopkins, I certainly would not have believed for a second that Nugent Hopkins was going to get done before Adam Larson. And now I'm going to say that I'm at 85% or 80% that Adam Larson remains at Edmonton Oilers. But the fact that it's gone this long, this long uh, the fact that he was with Leon Dreisaitl, who if you, if you don't think that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't invested in assisting the process and trying to improve the team, uh, well, that's just not the case. They're, those guys want to win. They want to improve the team, and that's part of the reason why I, my, I would hazard a strong guess that they'd be fairly excited about the addition of Duncan Keith, given what they didn't have to work with in the playoff series against Winnipeg and how Keith played against them the year before. Uh, but, yeah, I would, I would say until it's, until it's 100% done, it's not done. And as you know, Seattle – has a uh, three three day seventy two hour window for any player that's an unrestricted free agent that a team leaves exposed. And so if Larson doesn't have a deal, I think we fully know that it's going to be Duncan Keith joining Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear as the three protected players. Seattle has a seventy two hour negotiation window. With JP Barry. It is interesting that CAA Reed, as you know, doesn't just have Adam Larson. They also have Tyson Berry. And I wonder whether or not Tyson Berry's camp sitting there looking at this going, you know, I'm probably not going to get six years at five million bucks somewhere. It's pretty good in Edmonton. Maybe I, maybe I can get a little bit of a bump. Do I circle back to Edmonton, you know, take a look at what's out there and circle back 48 hours into free agency and go, would you guys do four and a half million times three years? Right. I mean, the guy did lead the NHL last year in points. So, you know, for all the criticism that's come the Oilers' way, and they've earned some of it over the years, the reality of the situation is the two players that were assigned on October 10th last year in the second day of free agency, Mike Smith and Tyson Berry, crushed it last season, the regular season. Absolutely, yeah. Well, they did. They did. Well, and, and, I, and, yeah. and, and I said in the last hour of the show, because... I mean, like, I've really been hammering goaltending the last two months. Like, it's insane what an important part of the game it is. Yes. Like, what if Mike Smith is even .07 less of a save percentage 
than he was in the regular season. The Oilers probably still make the playoffs. They ain't second. I can tell you that. They're probably fighting with Montreal and Calgary. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, right? For two years in a row, the Oilers have been picked by all the experts to miss the playoffs. They finished 12th and 11th. The players want to get into the top eight. You get into the top eight year after year, you've got a chance. Edmonton has to improve its support uh, depth and forward. And I think there is a belief by many that they needed to add more experience on the back end. And you just look at what happened, Cam, come crunch time against Winnipeg in game four of that series. People can say coaching staff made a tactical error, and there's an argument there. Why did they cut down? Um, why did they stop playing cuckoo? You know, I, was into, I, I mean, I was stunned six weeks out before it got started, the playoffs. I was told Cuckoo was going to get an opportunity to play if he could get back. And I was like, really? Like, you're not going to sit there and play Jones or, you know. And so it, I think you'll see a more experienced defense. I'm not sure what's going to happen yet at forward. You're definitely going to see money spent on second line left wing. And in terms of goaltending, I mean, one way to get the number down on Mike Smith, if if his camp is looking at those numbers and he had top seven numbers read last year in the National Hockey League, you're going to have to jump up considerably from one and a half base. One of the ways to get numbers down is a two-year offer. <laughs> and people go, what? Yeah, right. Well, but, well, yeah, but, that's but fair. It, it's it's based if we're if we're talking a meritocracy from last year. If we're just say, well, based on his performance. So now we're going to use this. So we use the stats against Keith and say it's a stupid acquisition and they shouldn't have paid the full cap space amount. And without factoring in for the last two seasons, his defense partners have been Eric Gustafson and then Mitchell and uh, and the, the uh, Adam Boquist, who was playing forward for the London Knights for half a season with Evan Bouchard. Uh, so we're going to use the stats there. Well, if you're going to turn around and use the stats, then you have to reward Mike Smith, based on his performance, don't you? So it's going to be really interesting. So, okay, so again, we're doing hypotheticals because it's July 13th. But if Larson decides to go elsewhere and Barry comes back, which I, you know, I know you've been talking about that more than you were a few weeks ago, are we looking at a potential Nurse Barry, Keith Bear, Russell Bouchard, and Broberg's the seven? Broberg's not going to be think on the they, team. Okay, so then they add a, a then they add a cuckoo type player or bring cuckoo back. Well, they still they still have Russell and they still have Lagason. Is it going to be Lagason? Is it going to be Lagason Care or Benson that's going to end up getting claimed? My guess is it'll be Dugar Care that gets claimed at this stage. It's pretty clear the Oilers aren't going to cut a backdoor deal with Seattle. They're just going to let a guy go, and I think Seattle will take Dugar Care. That's my guess. So. Okay. That's that's who I think they'll end up taking. I think they would have been debating between Caleb Jones and Jujar Kara. Uh, and I want I want everybody to know right now. I want to see Larson back. He's an important player, and he's important in terms of the role that he plays on the team. And I don't know if there's a guy like people say. Well, what about David Savard? I don't know if they can get David Savard. This is this is the thing. Everybody's always got great suggestions. I don't know if you can get every guy that you think you can get. And that's it's not an excuse. It's the reality of the situation. You know, so uh, well, yeah, they're not as much as they say. Well, every team should be in on everybody. That's that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, there might have been. Who knows? Maybe there might have been some teams looking, and some people say, "Oh, come on!" There's nobody that wanted to take Duncan Keith at the full cap. Uh, Arizona would have. They're going to have cap space. They could use. They could use some experience on their defense. 
and they really like it when the real dollar amounts only 3.6 million over the next two years instead of you know paying five and a half and five and a half. So that's one that worked Edmonton's advantage. Though a lot of the fans think it worked Edmonton's disadvantage. I will say this: I got the distinct impression. I think you know. I think Keith's aware that he's got something to prove here, and I think that's a good thing. And again, everybody's entitled to their perspective. And uh, though I will say there's a lot of people that seem to think they were actually in on those negotiations between the two general managers. Uh, we have no who, idea. Who thinks that? Oh, I just get the sense sometimes listening to some people out there that, you know, oh, it's easy. You just do this and this and this. It's not like, again, I would have back to back to Larson. I'm, I'm getting a little bit nervous on Larson because I do think he's an important. I mean, he in my mind, he's part of the Oilers leadership core. But I take Ken Holland at face value for what he said today. As of right now, they don't have a deal. It's that simple. And I don't think it's just as simple of, as, okay. And it ultimately might work out this way. It might work out that he is not protected, goes through the three-day window with Seattle, nothing happens. But if his agency is any good, and they have a good agency, they've already scouted out potential opportunities elsewhere. So let's just see how it all plays out with Lars. All right, uh, we got a question for you on the text line, and then of course I have a quiz for Stoffer because I know your your evening wouldn't be complete without that. Yeah, did everybody hear how excited Bob was? That's great. Uh, Jason says, "Hey Reed, can you ask Bob? Oh, I don't, you you might make another audible groan at this one, Bob." Uh, Jason says, "Do you mind asking Bob his opinion on Anthony D'Angelo? He comes with a checkered past, but can come cheap." Well, fighting teammates him. is a bit of a, che- a checkered past. Well, they don't. I don't think they need him. Like, like they've got Bouchard and they have Bear, and they're both right shots. And Bouchard's got the highest ceiling of any of those guys. D'Angelo's a competitive little puck mover. Don't forget, he's a former teammate of Darnell Nurses and Sue Saint Marie. Actually, I saw the Sue play that year, and Richie and D'Angelo both got traded there. I think that made the Sue's team worse that year where that trade went down i would be i i you know i sometimes i i gotta tell you i think part of what undermined is anthony d'angelo is he's perceived as being a hardcore trumpkin and in this day and age he's got the wrong politics because you're only allowed to have politics one way anymore in the world of the twitterverse that's that's just the reality of the situation and so he had a lot of he brought a lot of heat on himself and then he got involved with a teammate which never happened you got to find a way to to not have that happen um people make people make mistakes in their early 20s i know i did Reed, you were fairly angelic but all you did was work in a movie store at that time and do nothing else i'm there for you uh and i just i i i would say this i think that d'angelo has some talent I think he's going to go to a quiet market. Actually, you know where I think he's going to go? I think he's going to end up in Arizona. Okay. Okay. They're you dying ready? for defense, and there's not Arizona is even though they voted uh, for the Democrats, and I think they voted for the I don't know where's where are all those challenges for the votes and that Arizona is a place where he could he could kind of hide. There's not going to be a lot of pressure. So and they need they need a right shot defenseman. Because they've only got, as it stands right now, they've got two defensemen. They got Chikrin and they got Ekman Larson. That's it. They need a third defenseman to protect. Keep that in mind. Just file that one away to see whether or not they trade for another D-man between now and Saturday. All right. Two questions today. The first category is Euro. 
Okay. Uh, this It's a bit of a, it's not a long answer, but it's not a one-word answer. Uh, it's kind of like a two-sentence answer for you. Uh, Denmark won Euro in 1992, even though they didn't qualify for the tournament. What country did they replace? Oh, uh, I'm gonna, was it like Yugoslavia? Yugoslavia was disqualified because of the uh, breakup of the country and the war there. So Denmark yeah. was the best team that didn't qualify, won the tournament. Uh, which was uh, hosted by Sweden. Um, Duncan Keith, number two. We expect him to wear number two with the Oilers. Uh, the Oilers' original number two, Lee Fogelin, drafted what year, what spot, by what team? There's a good one for you. Okay, well, again, I'm outside right now. I'm not on, I don't have the setup anymore. Uh, but it, but my... you're a draft savant. Yeah, 1974 Buffalo, and I'm going to say he went like 16th overall. He went 11th overall to Buffalo. Uh, the 16th pick was Grant Mulvey out of the Calgary Centennials to the Chicago Blackhawks. Fogelin went 11th to Buffalo, and the first overall pick was who in 74? Greg Jolly. One of the Greg Jolly, one of the bus, Wilf Paymont, went second. Well, Paymont was drafted by the Kansas City Scouts. Yeah, Paymont was tough. Uh, Grant Mulvey, now, now you know who his brother was? Paul Malvey, uh, who played for the Portland Winterhawks, and he was involved in the incident with Don Perry was the name of the head coach with the L.A. Kings, and he, he gave him what's known in hockey with enforcers as the cold tap. In other words, taps him and says, get out there and go do what you do. And <laughs> Paul, Mal, uh, Paul Malvey was a fighter, and he refused to do it. He didn't see the necessity of taking the fight at that time. It went public, and all hell broke loose. And that pretty much ended Paul Malvey's career. And, oh, by the way, ended uh, Don Perry's career. So, you know, I just had somebody text me here, Reed, just on D'Angelo, and just saying, are you sure Arizona can take that risk after what happened last, sun last summer in the draft? And I guess time will tell. But I do think D'Angelo will go to a quieter, sunbelt U.S. market to jumpstart his career. I'll leave it with Vic tonight, who says, I personally believe Bob is a legend to be able to read and listen to the millions of comments he gets on his show and then still can answer a random question on Reed's show. Well, uh, Bob and I can be very random when we you were on the radio talk together. To me about how upset I was about how England, coached, uh, how England was managed in that game against well, Italy. Like, like, we got, well, attack! Attack, try to, try to coach. Oh, yeah, poor second team. half, absolutely, yeah. Just, just okay, like we'll do that next time, man. I know, you got to go. Take care, Reed. Okay, this <laughs> Bob Stopper. We always have a blast one way or the other. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Cowtown Bob writing in. He says, Barry Long wore number two for the Oilers in the World Hockey Association, and then Lee Fogelin wore it when they entered the NHL. Thank you for that clarification. Cowtown Bob, I appreciate that. Basil here says uh, Mr. Duncan Keith will be rejuvenated. Anyone who has to work away from family always wants to be closer to their kids. So, yes, the Oilers will come out ahead with this trade. That is the opinion from Basil. We'll get the update on the Elks from Morley next. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, American League leading the National League 2-0.
That is in the top of the fifth. Uh, appreciate everybody chiming in on Duncan Keith and some Oilers and hockey stories today. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed Professional Grade Building Materials. Always happy to hear from it. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email the show if you still use that old-fashioned form of communication, inside sports at 630ched.com, 630-C-H-E-D. Don't spell out 630. That goes to an account in New Zealand. According to GoElks.com, the first game of the season starts in 25 days and 25 minutes. 8 p.m. Saturday, August 7th. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. I imagine we'll have a two-hour pregame show starting at 6 for the first game of the year, though I shouldn't speak out of turn. But Morley Scott's going to be on the radio that night. Finally, going to have him calling a game. Hey, Morley. Hey, hope it's like riding a bike. (laughs) You'll be fine. It's been a while. Maybe a big, awkward bike, but a bike anyway. (laughs) Now, did you... uh, I have not asked you this. Let's go behind the scenes a little bit. Did you do anything? Like, did you call... Would you sit in front of an NFL game and call it a little bit? Or have you been calling games on tape to get back in? Like, I know you'll be fine, but do you feel like, okay, I better do something just to get back up to speed here? Yeah, I haven't done anything on tape. Uh, I, I always kind of in my head when I'm watching, when I watch NFL games, which I watch a lot more of this year than, than I have in years past, I, uh, I kind of, there's kind of an ongoing dialogue in my head, not out loud, but just kind of stuff I might say or, or I listen to what guy, other guys are saying who are doing it. But I have been, I, I've got a few uh, old games on my PVR and I, I watched the uh, 2015 West Final last weekend and uh, enjoyed it very much and kind of, kind of, you know, went through the motions a little bit of, of, you know, setting things up and talking out loud a little bit just to just to get back into into practice, back to saying things. Because it has been it has been a long time. You know, the players, uh, you know, have to go through it. They get a training camp. I'm just thrown right into the game, right? And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go on August seventh. Looking forward to it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I know Dave and I are are, are pretty excited, and and uh, also Blake Dermott and Eddie Steele, who's gonna be part of the team this year as well. So oh, really? I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah, we're looking for well, breaking news. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, they should uh, put I'm me look- on those work emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Check your email, Reed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're all looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, of course, the Elks have also announced that single game tickets are now on sale, and that first game against Ottawa, August seventh, thirty-five thousand free T-shirts at the gates. They're going to wear the antler helmets. Uh, you got the Labor Day rematch, September eleventh. Kids are going to get in free for that one. The Pure Later Tackle Hunger Game. I mean, I'm looking far ahead, but that's always a big night. Uh, October 29th, our Santa's Anonymous game is November 13th. So lots of big events at Elks games. And the biggest is that, uh, like you said, they're just getting back to playing football. I want to ask you about a name here. Yeah. Uh, It's a last name Uh a lot of fans in this city know. Uh, Ham. Tell us about yeah. the the gentleman with the last name Ham who is trying to crack the Elks roster. Uh, Caleb Ham. He's a defensive back. He's been around a couple of times in in the uh, CFL. I think he was in Toronto for a while, and I think he told me today he had a stop in Montreal as well. Um, he's he's in he's in deep because I think the defensive backfield is set at least right now, um, and I think that uh, that he has a chance to to get a backup spot or or stick around a little bit longer. But yeah, he's uh, Tracy Ham's son. Uh, it's really interesting, Reed. 
inside the elk's uh, dressing room, they have this, you know, those glass etches of that they do of faces, right? Um, they have yeah. those in, inside the dressing room with all the Hall of Famers. And uh, Caleb Ham went in to, uh, to look around in the dressing room the first day he got here. And guess who's just above his locker and looking over his shoulder? That's <laughs> Oh, right. no yeah. way. Dad Tracy. So, and, and you know, it, they didn't put him there. Because, you know, the DBs go in a certain section and the O-line goes in a certain section. So he was there, and it just happened that Tracy Ham's pitcher was just above his locker. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, he's, he's excited to be here. You know, he wasn't alive when his dad played in, in Edmonton. In fact, he, he was only alive for, I think, the last three years of his dad's uh, CFL career in Montreal. So he did tell me today that he has... Um, uh, he wasn't alive, but he's heard the stories about Edmonton, so he knows all about it. And, and Tracy's able to lay the groundwork, I think, uh, for Caleb and, and, you know, let him know about uh, how things work a little bit, although I'm sure things have changed. But it is it is kind of cool. It is. Uh, I, I was talking with the ultimate um, authority on uh, Eskimos uh, history today, Superfan Mike, and uh, I, I was saying, you know, I, I asked him a question about uh, how many other uh, father-son acts have there been, and uh, I, I could think of uh, a couple, but he just named off a whole bunch. Most of them are in the coaching staff, but probably the, the most famous would be Neil Lumsden and Jesse Lumsden. Uh, oh, of course. Been, there's been a few uh, coaching staff, of course, with the, with the Campbells and the Farragellis and stuff. But uh, there's been some guys who played, but but not a ton. But there has been some before. So they're not. If he does make the team, he's not not setting any kind of uh, any kind of, of a record or not. But it, it is kind of neat. Uh, it, it, he's uh, his dad was a Hall of Fame player and uh, much beloved here. Won the Most Outstanding Player Award in 1989, and uh, he would uh, he would love to settle in. And he's not a quarterback though. I asked him about that, and he said, Yeah, I wanted to be a quarterback, and then my dad showed me all about the getting rushed and tackled by defensive ends basically and he just, I decided I didn't want any part of that so uh, he, he, uh, he is uh, settled into being a defensive back and that is where he is uh, trying to make this football team Tracy Ham rushed for over a thousand yards at a quarterback in as a quarterback in 1989 a, a team that a team that would be remembered as one of the greatest Edmonton teams of all time because they were 16 and 2 uh, but they forgot to do a little thing at the end of the season, and that was win yep. the West Final to get into the, yep. to get into the Great Cup. Those yeah, pesky Saskatchewan. I mean, what one of the five in a row teams went fourteen one and one, and I like I put the twenty fifteen team in in high regard because they won their last ten games. Yeah, uh, yep. you know, once Michael Riley came back. So, that but yeah, that nineteen eighty nine team doesn't get on those lists because they didn't win the Great Cup. Yeah, that nineteen eighty nine team. That's the uh, kind of the version of the Dolphins, and, and we always joke with Blake Dermott, who was on that team, every time somebody loses their their third game of the year, they say, okay, the record's safe, pop up the champagne, get everybody together, and, and, and enjoy it. You know, that's like like those surviving Dolphins from, what, what year was that that they, they went, they had the perfect season? Uh, uh, 72, right? Yeah. 72, I think it was. Yeah. And were the underdogs in the Super Bowl, because yeah. Washington, people believed, had played a harder schedule, so therefore it was better. Yeah, that is true. And although the surviving members of that team, every time, every year, legend has it that when the, when the last team loses their first game they get together and pop some champagne right say we're we're still in the history books okay so uh morley scott checking in tonight uh you know i know dave touched on uh mostly the offense yesterday he did mention that secondary um like is there is there and i know it's still early in training camp and i think what tomorrow's off and there's a scrimmage on the weekend but is there a position set that looks more competitive than others can you tell yet 
yeah, the th- receiving core is going to be really, uh, really competitive because there's a lot of players there. Uh, you know, they have more receivers than they need, more good receivers with CFL experience that they need, and they haven't yet added Darrell Walker to that list. And he's made the team, I think. <clears throat> so... Um, uh, when he gets added to the roster, that's gonna that's gonna add uh, some grief to somebody else, and so that's gonna be something to watch. Um, I, linebacking and uh, the defensive backfield are, are are two other cases. I know you talked about the the DBs last night with Dave, but uh, linebackers are interesting too. Vontae Diggs is moving into the middle a little bit. He wants to play uh, in that spot, trying to replace um, uh, Larry Dean, who was who was of course uh, the middle linebacker last year. Uh, the Elks have a couple of other guys who they're they're auditioning through there uh they're they're also uh, in a position to get you know basically new linebackers right across right across the board um because they're they're switching around uh, in in some positions so it's that's going to be interesting to see how that how that shakes out because uh, that's a very important position uh brandon Pittman's in the mix he's been here uh, in and out for a while uh, out of the lineup as well uh, you know played some games but hasn't hasn't been a regular so um yeah that's going to be a spot to watch uh, read for sure the defensive backs to me it's it's db's receivers and and to see how that defensive backfield comes together and can play. And so far, they've looked pretty good. How the heck are people going to do, people like you, and I guess to some extent people like me, but, I mean, you cover the league more on a firsthand basis as opposed to what I do. Like, how are you guys going to do your preseason predictions? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I've talked about this with a few guys, Reed, and I, you can't. You really can't. It's so difficult because you've got nothing to go on except for 2019, and teams have changed twice since then, right? We had uh, 2020 free agency and the offseason, then the 21 free agency and the offseason, and, you know, teams have changed an awful lot. It's pretty hard to get a read on it, and, and when I think about things around the league as well, most important position on the team is obviously quarterback, right? And there's a lot of questions at quarterback around the league. Even even teams like BC and Calgary have questions, very minor questions, and, and questions you can probably predict the answers to. But still, you know, Mike Roddy's coming back off, off of a, a, a broken bone in his arm, and uh, has the offensive line been shored up, and will he survive the season? Bo Levi Mitchell's coming back off a really bad uh, shoulder injury that cost him most of the season. And, and Nick Arbuckle, of course, took over. Now he's in Toronto. Is he the real deal, or was he just really good because he was playing on a really good team at quarterback? And and he's going to get pushed by McLeod Bethel Thompson. Ottawa's got Matt Nichols. Is he going to be any good without Andrew Harris uh, beside him running that offense? Um, Saskatchewan's got a quarterback who was great last year and by all accounts is a wonderful human being and a great person. But he did it once. To be a good quarterback, you've got to do it year after year after year after year. So can Cody Fajardo match what he did in 2019? Can he go forward and become that starting quarterback on an everyday basis? Don't forget, he was third on the depth chart going into the season in Saskatchewan uh, in 2019. Yep. He's number one now, and he's got a big ticket, but can he keep doing it? So there's a lot of questions. You know, Winnipeg's got Zach Kolaris, who everyone always says is one hit away from being out for the season, right? And they've got no backup. The Elks are in good shape because Trevor Harris, you know, has been here. He's confident, and and he's a good, really good quarterback. So I think the Elks are obviously in good shape. But behind him, they've got some issues to sort out as well uh, in in that uh, backup quarterback position. So uh, there's questions all around the league, and I think it's almost impossible to handicap uh, the season going in. Uh, The only thing I can really say for certain, Reed, is that Ottawa won't be very good. That's my only prediction. Oh, really? They're looking that bad, eh? Yeah, they lost a lot of players, and they didn't replace them. Um, they got a new head coach. They got a new offensive coordinator. They got a new quarterback. So we'll see how they, how they come through. But they've, they've lost a lot of guys since uh, they last played back in 2019, and they weren't that good in 2019 either. 
Okay. Well, Morley, we'll be having you on at least once a week for all the updates and then once we roll into the game. So I do appreciate it. it uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about training camp and, and getting into games, man. This is so cool. Thanks for checking yeah. in. Yeah, sure is. It's great to talk uh, uh, about the CFL and the Elks and not have to mention the words XFL or COVID, isn't it? Wonderful. Right. That's a great point. That is Barley Scott, play-by-play voice for Edmonton Elks right here on 630 Chet. Okay, we uh, will talk uh, football again, European football, when we get back. penalty takers in the modern game for Italy and it's saved by Beckford England are still alive in the final pressure on a 19 year old and now Italy win their European champions for only the second time 53 years after the first a long wait is over for the Azzurri Mancini's men have come to Wembley and in the long haul tamed the three lions well that set off a party not just in Italy but to some extent here in Edmonton as well and I can tell you that as somebody who lives about three blocks away from the Italian center in little Italy I could hear the horns and the cheering for several hours after the match on Sunday with Italy outlasting England in penalty kicks to win the European Championship. That's how it sounded on television. And I want to have a colleague on to talk about this match for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, I know he was supporting Italy and he's always interesting and entertaining to talk to. And also because this gentleman cheers for the Toronto Maple Leafs and he came on this show just minutes after the Maple Leafs were eliminated by the, eliminated by the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, he was shaken and he was emotional. And then I felt bad about putting him on the radio. So I thought I got to make it up to David Bowles and have him on when he has something to celebrate. David, how are you doing? Very well. You know how so you mentioned you know how I felt after the Leafs game? Complete you know, the complete opposite after uh after, at Sunday at around four o'clock. Just awesome still. No, tell me uh Bowles to me does not suggest an Italian uh surname, though I I could be wrong, or maybe it's not actually pronounced that way, but what is your connection to Italy and or your Italian heritage? So you are hundred percent correct. Bowles in no way, shape, or form is is Italian. It's I would even say Chef Boyardi is more Italian than Bowles. But uh, my mom's first-generation Canadian, so my, my grandparents and my mom's, my mom's side were uh, immigrated to Canada after the war from southern Italy, and uh, they moved to Toronto. They grew up, you know, all the Italian culture there, and I spoke a little bit of it growing up. It's not the best, but I grew up watching the Italian national team when I was a kid. Alessandro Del Piero was my favorite player, so... It was always quite interesting to see what we did. I mean, obviously, we won the World Cup in 06, but it's been a 15-year wait to kind of see what this team could do offensively and it's nice to see that the change came with Roberto Mancini and players who could adjust to that style and to see the win Sunday in the fashion it was done was just wonderful well was that not the 
sort of uh, barb that was often leveled at Italian soccer that they try to win game 0-0. And obviously their goal prevention was outstanding in this tournament leading up to the tournament. But, but wasn't that the knock against them that they, they were, you know, they would try to win game 0-0? Absolutely, yes. There was, despite the fact that Italy for a while had some of the most gifted players in the world. I mean, Francesco Totti, I mentioned Del Piero, Fabio Grosso. There's some incredibly talented strikers on that team. But the strategy of old Italy under Marcello Lippi and, and even Antonio Conte was get one, come back, defend the house, don't let anyone pass the box. And it was wildly frustrating to see guys who were putting up 30 to 40 goals a year in the best leagues in the world just get one and then come back and be forced to play defense. So, I mean, it worked. We won a World Cup in 06. It was wonderful to see that. But adjusting to the game, much like in hockey, as we both know, adjusting to the pace of the game and kind of looking at the state of the game as you go forward is important. And after 2018, when it was quite clear the Italian team didn't, when they're not qualifying for World Cup, it was nice to see them make that step to join the Englands, the Croatias, the Germany of the world in playing fast-paced, entertaining soccer or footy. And we finally see them reap what they sown on Sunday and turned out to be one fine product. All right, so your experience watching on Sunday, England went ahead in the second minute and then quite frankly was all Italy in the in the second half I mean they could have won in regulation time uh I I know you're a very uh well you I, like not that I know you super well but you you strike me as you're you get very invested in the things that you're interested in uh so how were you during the match first half I'm not gonna lie I barely sat down had the chance to you know I went full Italian I made the pizza I brought out the Negroni I brought out all the Italian goods and within two minutes, I was going through every word in my skull that I could... I wish I could say on the airwaves right now, but quite clearly can't. Um, but no, you are right. Once about the 20-minute mark passed, and I finally let the shock wear off, I, you are completely right. I was nervy as all get out because they started to control the pace of the game. It looked like Verratti was starting to play some stronger positional football. We were seeing our strikers get up, and then... That goal-mouth scramble where they finally scored, I don't want to say that was the point in which I blew my voice out, but it was pretty darn <laughs> close to it. So it's only today we're finally starting to get back to the David Bowles you hear on your newscasts. <laughs> so were you one of the people making noise in my neighborhood after the match on Sunday? I don't. I, can't, I will neither confirm nor deny I was loud. No, it's okay. It didn't bother me. I, I appreciate <laughs> oh, the the festivities. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was. I was more than happy to contribute to the sound to the uh, the sound beer breaking on Sunday. It was just. <laughs> it was awesome. Like I mentioned, my family's from Toronto, so seeing being back in you know little Italy here, and then just seeing the crowd of people. And I mean, I know you live there, but I don't think I've ever seen 95th Street that jubilant, and that full. And I mean, obviously the pandemic has limited at some point, but that's kind of also was a factor in it too, is that you're seeing people, I mean, we have the restrictions lifted here in Alberta. It was a big rallying point this match and to see people come together, unite over a common cause of a love for the game of football, a love for their country over a match between two awesome teams. It was a special thing to be a part of. All right. Uh, I know we're in the final uh, minute here, and I know you got to get your newscast, uh, but I'll ask you this quickly. What do you say to people who say penalty kicks, what an awful way to decide a championship? Yeah, you're wrong. That's, <laughs> that's it. They are, they are completely wrong. That is too bad, and I wish I had remorse, but I don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, David. Talk to you later. Thanks for the chat, Reid. Cheers. That is David Bowles.
6.30, Chad, you're going to hear him reading the news in about three and a half minutes. Uh, Italian supporter, very happy with their Euro victory. You also heard from Morley Scott and Bob Stoffer, and I heard plenty from you this evening. Texts and phone calls, I really appreciate it as we continue to discuss the Oilers acquiring Duncan Keith. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.